You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Welcome back to Carlucci Auditorium. So we've reached the closing plenary in our second annual dialogue on war legacies and peace in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Thanks to everyone who's joined all the roundtables and sessions today. Uh, for me, the only regret is that I could only be in one of the roundtables at a time and wasn't in the others that were uh, concurrent, but I'm sure I will hear about it from, from those participants. Uh, we have saved uh, some of the uh, most uh, compelling presenters for the last session. Um, and uh, several of them have recently arrived uh, back from uh, from Vietnam. Nghe đại sư mới từ trở lại Việt Nam. Và cũng người khác gần đây đã đây đi lại. Từ những người khác đến đây. Khi chúng tôi trao đổi về vấn đề buổi khai mạc, chúng tôi có nhiều nhóm khác nhau và thời gian thì tương đối ngắn. Và chúng tôi muốn cố gắng trước khi 5 giờ như dự định. Cái phiên họp bế mắc hôm nay là để tiếp theo, những cái tiếp theo trong những vấn đề mà khôi phục những cái việc mà hậu quả chiến tranh, khắc phục hậu quả chiến tranh và xây dựng hòa bình. Và tiếp theo những cái ý tưởng của Ngài, ý tưởng của Ngài là Lai Hy. Chúng tôi chúng tôi muốn biết được làm chúng ta đạt được làm sao tôi đạt được đến ngày hôm nay và làm sao chúng ta bước tiếp theo là gì giữa đất nước, nước và con người dân của chúng ta chúng tôi rất thân hạnh uh, giới thiệu ngài đại sứ Mark Nepper là người đại sứ uh, đặc biệt toàn quyền của Hoa Kỳ tại Việt Nam uh, ngài đã làm việc là phó phó vì nhiều phó trợ lý ngoại trưởng cũng như là uh, trong làm việc ở Việt Nam và ngày nói chuyện cả tiếng việt rất là rất là giỏi ngày ra tham gia ra cùng với sự kiện gần đây với ngày tổng thống biden ngày ở đây thì chia sẻ những câu chuyện của chúng ta cùng với đó chúng ta ngày thượng tướng nguyễn văn vinh là người chủ tịch vấn đề về tổ chức va va tổ chức về nạn nhân chất độc da cam Ngài thì có rất nhiều kinh nghiệm là chủ tịch của và Vapa là người uh, thành viên của uh, Ban Mặt trận Tổ quốc Việt Nam và thành viên đại diện uh, quốc hội uh, của Việt Nam khi mà Ngài nghỉ hưu. Chúng tôi có uh, tiến sĩ Phạm Lan Dung là quyền hiệu trưởng quyền Học viện Ngoại giao Việt Nam uh, trực thuộc Bộ Ngoại giao. Bà cũng là phó chủ tịch của Hiệp hội Xã hội về luật và tổng thư kế chủ tịch của Việt Nam. Bà Dung có bằng tiến sĩ và bằng cao học về DAV và, và trường của, 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 của quốc tế. Chúng tôi xin chào mừng ba người, chúng tôi xin mời ngài đại sứ Mark Nepper. USIP for putting this together. I really appreciate the invitation to join you today. I, uh, 
I apologize for, for only being able to make this last session. Um, it sounds like you had some very interesting sessions yesterday, including with our colleague at the NSC, Dr. Mira Rapuper, uh, this morning with Senator uh, Jeff Merkley, of course, um, who's, who's emerged as an incredibly strong supporter of the U.S.-Vietnam relationship. But I guess before I, I begin, let me just, I would like to just note the, the passing of um, General Wen Chi Ving, and of course he, uh, someone who had, had contributed so much to our two countries' relationship over many years, including the reconciliation between our two nations, and so certainly have my and our government's um, condolences on his, on his passing. Um, but I just, uh, as Andrew alluded, I, I just flew in from Hanoi after um, being there for, for I think um, no one could argue was an incredibly successful visit um, uh, by President Biden. Um, you know, we use the word historic and milestone and momentous a lot. I mean, it, it often, you know, it's become like a cliche when we talk about a big visit like this or like a bumper sticker. Um, but in, in reality, this truly was a historic, momentous milestone in our two countries' ties. Um, you know, we started off this year thinking, you know, how best can we commemorate 10 years of the U.S.-Vietnam Comprehensive Partnership. And, um, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we wanted to look back, reflect on just how far we've come for the past 10 years in virtually any, any area you can think of, um, trade and investment, science, technology, defense and security, um, education, training, people-to-people -people ties, cultural ties, you name it. Um, you know, if it's worth doing, the U.S. and Vietnam have been doing it and doing it you know, on a growing basis, a growing trajectory um, every year for the last 10 years. Um, and I think as a reflection of the consequence with which Washington looks at the U.S.-Vietnam relationship, we've had um, a lot of senior visitors this year. Um, you know, one-fourth of the U.S. cabinet, the president's cabinet, has visited Vietnam this year. Um, and this was even before we were discussing the idea of the president coming. Uh, we had, of course, the USS Ronald Reagan visited. We had um, senior congressional delegations to include that, led by uh, Senator Merkley on the Democratic side, um, Senator Crapo on the Republican side, um, not too long after. We had the largest business mission ever to Vietnam uh, put together by U.S. ASEAN Business Council back in May. Um, so, I mean, this year was already shaping up to be a pretty special one in terms of our two countries' uh, joint commemoration, again, of the 10th anniversary of the Comprehensive Partnership. But then um, we were able to, uh, to work things out with our friends, um, of course, uh, under the leadership of, of the White House and the National Security Council, but working very closely with our Vietnamese partners. Um, we were able to arrange the visit by the President, um, September 10th and 11th, uh, which heralded the announcement of an upgrade, not just one level, but two, as you all know. Um, from So jumping from comprehensive partnership to comprehensive strategic partnership and skipping the middle rung of, of strategic partnership altogether, which is unprecedented. I mean, this has never happened before. Um, but I think it's, this, it's as strong a reflection as possible of, again, um, I think the consequence that both of our leaders, both of our countries, put into this bilateral relationship. Um, this upgrade, significant upgrade, is a reflection of where our two countries already are in terms of our cooperative relationship. Um, but it's also a reflection of our strong will um, about where we want to go next and how we can either you know, deepen already existing cooperation even more or expand into new and novel and exciting areas. 
uh, going forward. Um, I think you saw as, as part of the, the documents that came out from the visit, the fact sheet that the White House put out, but of course the joint statement <coughs> uh, that the U.S. and Vietnam put out together, a very strong focus on, on very future-oriented efforts, um, whether it's uh, working together to help Vietnam, uh, to work with Vietnam on creating a, a innovation-based, sort of high-tech-centered economy, um, and to do this through education programs, training programs, workforce development, workforce accelerators, to help um, create the kind of workforce uh, that Vietnam needs to address the challenges and the opportunities of the 21st century. And so we're very pleased uh, that there were so many concrete announcements as part of this visit that will involve training and education and, and really, um, you know, the United States aligning itself with the very significant and ambitious goals that Vietnam itself has set for its future, whether it's uh, to be a, a net zero carbon economy by 2050, whether it's to be a high income economy by 2045, whether it's to be a digital economy by 2030. Um, these are all goals in which the United States um, is proud to be a partner of Vietnam. And I think either, you know, by intention, sometimes by accident, but, but regardless, uh, with great focus, the United States and Vietnam have ended up um, being virtually on the same page for, for all of these things. Um, and we're very pleased that uh, we see ourselves as part of the future that Vietnam has set for itself. Um, and so, I think it's um, important to remember that, that the United States is very much wants to be, uh, to partner with Vietnam, to deepen this partnership, uh, to look for ways, again, that we can expand existing cooperation, but, but also look, look for new and exciting areas of, of new and different cooperation. But all the while, while all this was happening and a lot of focus on high-tech cooperation, um, you know, Prime Minister Phan Ming Ching and President Biden met with tech leaders from both countries. Um, including, you know, Vietnamese sort of uh, name brands like VinFast, Vinagames, FPT, uh, Momo, uh, Vietnam Air, and I know I'm missing one, the Techscope, uh, and they had, you know, great American companies as well like Boeing, Amcor, Global Foundries, uh, Marvell, which is a semiconductor maker, um, we had Intel there and Google. So again, trying to figure out ways our two countries' leading tech firms can work together to help usher the, the way forward for a future um, in which the United States and Vietnam are, are very, uh, you know, that our two country, our two economies are, are inextricably um, tied together. And I can't think, again, of a better, of a more public or more resounding way to show the world, to show our two countries, to show our two peoples, that the United States and Vietnam are moving forward shoulder to shoulder together in, in a future then which our, our fates are, are tied so, so closely. But as all this focus on the future was taking place, and I guess circling back to the theme of, of this, this last two days at this dialogue was of course the very strong recognition about the importance that reconciliation efforts have played in bringing our relationship to where it is today. Uh, recognizing that our efforts at reconciliation predate even normalization. Um, of course, we're in the 28th year since normalization, but we just celebrated the 30th year of joint field activities between VNOSMP and uh, DPAA. Um, and uh, not to mention all of the work we're doing um, 
whether to address war legacy issues, whether it's uh, the search for, for the ongoing search for missing American service members uh, and hopefully the, the accounting for them. Um, now the, the, the efforts underway to help Vietnam account for its own um, fallen through both archival research uh, at Harvard University and I know Tony's in the audience somewhere. Where are you, Tony? There he is. Um, as well as DNA analysis, something led uh, by our U.S. Agency for International Development. I saw Tony Kolb. There he is in the back. Thank you, Tony, for your efforts there. Um, but also UXO remediation, uh, led uh, in part by the State Department, but also many different international groups um, like Peace Trees, <coughs> excuse me, um, Peace Trees and Norwegian, Norwegian People's Aid and others. And then, of course, the, the Bien Hoa. Uh, well, the, the overall dioxin remediation effort, uh, which uh, successfully concluded at Da Nang a couple of years ago and is now underway at Bien Hoa. But all of these areas are, are areas in which the United States and Vietnam are working closely together. The United States is fully committed to seeing these through. And I think at the, on the occasion of the President's visit, we had a very moving um, event in which you had a couple of American veterans who live in Vietnam. Um, and you had a Vietnamese veteran um, come together and we, and we handed over the diary that belonged to this Vietnamese veteran. And at the same time, some items were handed over uh, from the Vietnamese side to our side, um, kind of uh, personal items that had belonged to American soldiers that were being returned to, to us, as well as turning over archival research. Again, thanks to Harvard University, uh, we handed that over to the Vietnamese side. And so really, a, a, so against the backdrop of this summit that was very focused on the future and, and high-tech cooperation, innovation, entrepreneurship, creativity, still there was this very strong recognition about the importance of ongoing efforts and cooperation in, to promote reconciliation, to continue to address war legacy issues. And this is something I think that you know, we in the United States are, are certainly committed to going forward. And I would just conclude by saying the final event the President did before going to the airport, and I know many of you saw this in our own Where's Major Chung? He's, he was part of this. There he is. Um, was when the president visited the McCain, uh, John McCain marker there by Chukbuck Lake. I know we all know it. Um, but again, very moving for him to go with Senator John Kerry uh, to honor the memory of Senator McCain. Um, and really this, that sort of tableau of the president with Senator Kerry in front of the marker to John McCain and just the recognition that it took great courage on the part of, well, these two individuals, uh, Republican and Democrat, um, but also joining hands with people of great courage in Vietnam, who at the same, you know, around that time, Wen Katak and others, who strongly believed in the importance of reconciliation, the importance of trying to, to, to address issues related to the war, to try and normalize our relationship. And so um, I think it was very fitting. Uh, the president on his way out of Hanoi stopped there to, to acknowledge the role that John McCain played, um, again, honoring the past, but with uh, a very, very clear vision and very strong focus on the future of our relationship. Um, so I'll stop there, I've probably gone on too long. But it was, uh, again, no overstatement to say this visit was truly historic and uh, it's truly an honor. Um, our Deputy Assistant Secretary Melissa Brown was there as well. We had fun putting that visit together. Um, so, but yeah, it truly, uh, truly a, a once in a lifetime experience. So thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to return to Washington, D.C. to attend the second 
uh, dialogue on the legacy. And please, first of all, I'd like to thank the organizing committee for inviting me to attend and speak at this dialogue. As you know, the dialogue on the con uh, consequences of war and peace, we cannot help but mention that the war history has been uh, impeded with the image. We cannot uh, forget to report about the history of war, which recorded many wars. Every war is very uh, um, devastating, and the consequences is, is enormous. That caused a lot of uh, damages in terms of people and assets. So many uh, super structures, the buildings, the agricultures, I mean the cultures, never be restored. The consequences of war are extremely huge. It is an obsession in the mind of every person. Remnants of war take many years for people to recover from the war-torn economy. In Vietnam, the chemical war was even more brutal. Even though the war has been over for nearly 50 years, the overcoming of the consequences of war is still somewhat that all warring parties must pay attention to. Vietnam has made great effort to heal the wounds of war, improving the environment, killing uh, mice, and take care of um, uh, taking care of the people, provide the social or policy. The galaxy of the world has left Vietnam many sorrows, losses, and severe consequences for many generations of Vietnamese people. Recently, in the spirit of uh, putting aside the past, Look forward to the future. Vietnam and the U.S. has uh, continued to uh, promote more effectively and practical solutions to heal the wounds of the world. After 28 years of Vietnam's and U.S. normalization, uh, diplomatic relations, and 10 years uh, establishing the comprehensive partnership. <coughs> September of uh, 10 September 2023, General Secretary of uh, Communist Party of Vietnam and U.S. President Joe Biden signs an agreement to upgrade the relationship of the two countries to comprehensive strategic partnerships. The cooperation to overcome the is the consider the foundation of the two countries as uh, contributing to the process of the reconciliation, healing the building the trust between two countries, opening the new opportunities for cooperation. In that spirit, series of uh, proposed projects has been and I'm being implemented, recognizing joint efforts in Vietnam and the US cooperation on overcoming the consequences of war including the completion of the uh, uh, detoxin certification project in uh, Da Nang and continue, continue to implement the Delsin project in Binhua uh, at Binhua Airport and the project to support improving the quality of life 
of the people uh, impacted uh, with the uh, Agent Orange. In eight provinces, the project for uh, uh, communications uh, on overcoming the possible bomb, mice, and chemical agents. The U.S. and the Vietnamese government, uh, Vietnam, U.S. government has sponsored a number of the programs for Vietnam for nearly three decades with the purpose of cleaning the command, uh, land mice, explosive materials, educating about the risk of mice and explosive materials. Although the U.S. government has provided aid to Vietnam, but that aid is still very modest compared to the consequences, the serious level of the consequences uh, that the U.S. goes to the Vietnamese people. But the support and focus on the certain environmental issues, why the, the taking care of the people, the life of the victims of orange agents and dioxin are still very limited. Many have passed away because they couldn't wait, they don't have time to wait. Actually, the pain of the consequences of the war still haunts the living and have not been completely resolved. In the coming time, with the help from the U.S., Vietnam will uh, to overcome the consequences of war and to be uh, comparable with the new relationship between Vietnam and the U.S. in the new era. Uh, in this regard, I'd like to propose the following comments. Firstly, both sides need to build a comprehensive mechanism to resolve the consequences of war in a stable, long-term, and systematic way. Secondly, Vietnam hopes that the U.S. will continue to promote stronger cooperation in the fields of environmental treatment, overcoming the consequences of bombs and toxic chemical dioxins in Vietnam, mobilizing and committing resources to treat dioxin pollution at Vietnam Airport and Phuket Airport, coordinate to evaluate the results of dioxin treatment at the Asu Airport Alui district in Tuen Hue province. Thirdly, continue effectively implement uh, projects to support improving the quality of life of people with a disability and victims of uh, orange agent and provide uh, additional resources to support the orange agent the victims to improve the life which has been visible. Uh, fourthly, the US government uh, considers support construction of the Dowsing the Energy Center and medical examination and treatment facilities, rehabilitation facility and provision of medical and medical equipment to help victims of uh, uh, orange agent, to help them improve the life and prevent the uh, inherit the chance of formation to other generation. Fifthly, to promote uh, communication focusing on uh, implementation or displays of contents and cooperation between Vietnam and the U.S. 
to overcome the consistency of Caesar food and the uh, chemical uh, uh, toxics. At the World Women's uh, uh, Museum in Ho Chi Minh City, and uh, distribute and displays uh, that in the uh, An Lui Airport. Sixthly, organize a chain visit, create the condition for young people uh, with disability uh, impacted by the orange agent. In particular, to support them to uh, have more interaction with the U.S. Asian American people, so that have more confidence and been the more love, you know. They can learn and strive more for the better relationships. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as a country that have suffered the severe consequences of war, we always wish and call on countries to respect peace, not that war break out and uh, prohibit the research and use of chemicals and weapons, the weapons of mass uh, destruction, so that our people, our humanity can live in the wounds of peace, stability, cooperation and development. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, let me um, express my sincere thanks to the uh, USIP for allowing me the opportunity to be here today. Um, I remember um, during the first uh, half day of the dialogue, Ambassador Ted also said that uh, we uh, have to be uh, sincere about the past. Uh, we have to look at the past and tell the young generation what was going on between the two countries. Uh, even though uh, a lot of people do agree with his uh, statement, um, we do understand that um, this is one of the tasks for education. Uh, I was asked by the organizer to talk about the role of education in uh, conciliation. And uh, we know that it is one of the main tasks of education is to help the young generation to understand better about the war. But uh, we do have to acknowledge the fact that this is quite challenging for both sides, uh, for the people from two countries to look at the war in the way that there is a sense of common understanding. There, there are still a lot of differences in the way people look at the war. And we have to acknowledge the fact that there are not two sides of the war, but three sides, the north of Vietnam, the south of Vietnam, and the US. Um, after listening to so many discussions during uh, our um, dialogue in uh, one and a half day, uh, I understand that, um, that uh, all of the project of the effort of this uh, World Legacy uh, Project under the uh, UCIP uh, has a very important role in helping people to understand each other, to understand each other culture, history, and the way we look at the war. Uh, I heard about there, there, there was only three paragraphs in historic books for students here at the U.S. about Vietnam War. And uh, I, I heard that it has been improved recently that nowadays uh, a student in California um, uh, studies uh, spend at least uh, two, one or two weeks uh, to study about Vietnam Wars. Mm. Uh, but I, I do uh, believe that it's not enough. 
there, there are a lot uh, need to be done in order for the war conciliation. Mm. However, we do know that uh, there are positive sides. There are a lot of uh, Vietnam studies programs in almost all of the uh, big US uh, universities. And, and in Vietnam, uh, the Diplomatic Academy of Vietnam is also one of the uh, institutions that uh, has the American Studies program. And we recently signed an MOU with uh, the uh, Columbia University to help each other to strengthen our American Studies program in Vietnam and Vietnam Studies in the US. Um, so basically what I think in terms of education, um, even though there is still some, uh, a lot of efforts need to be done in order to uh, foster common understanding of the world, um, what uh, education uh, should aim to do is to um, help people understand of the devastating consequences of the war and to help the two countries not to repeat the mistakes in the past. Um, <clears throat> uh, there is one very positive side of um, education exchange between the people and two people. Uh, we may know that uh, Vietnam ranks the fifth uh, among uh, uh, countries who have the most uh, many uh, students in the US. We ranked only after China, India, Canada, and um, South Korea. Uh, and um, and um, the number of uh, Vietnamese students in the US now is more than uh, 30,100 um, 30, uh, students. and. It is almost one-sixth of our overall students uh, studying abroad. And the US ranks the second after Australia in terms of destina destination for our students. Um, it means something because for Vietnamese parents, uh, children are their um, most valuable assets. So sending their children to study in a country uh, is a very uh, good signal of you know, a, a willing um, for conciliation and, and getting over the war. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I think that after what uh, happened uh, last Sunday, uh, people said that uh, we now enter a new chapter uh, of our relationship and uh, uh, what education, um, what is the, the aim of education in the uh, com comprehensive strategic partnership term? Um, I think that um, this is very good uh, time for education to be a leading factor in terms of helping uh, the two countries to fulfill all of the uh, objectives as stated in the joint statement between the two leaders of the countries. And the keywords are uh, high technology, uh, semiconductor uh, production, um, and, um, and uh, digital innovation. So um, um, the cooperation between the two countries in terms of, uh, of uh, training of the high-tech workforce is one of the win-win um, solutions for the two countries. And um, we know that, um, that Vietnam can play some role in the semiconductor market, in the semiconductor uh, production chain. But um, if we look at the example of Taiwan, um, it needs like uh, at least 10 years 
for Taiwan to develop its uh, high-tech workforce semiconductor engineers. Uh, so we are looking forward for the cooperation between the U.S. and Vietnam in terms of helping our country to build up uh, and to develop our high-tech workforce. And um, last but not least, um, mm, there is a lot to be learned from the team of a strong supporter uh, of the U.S.-Vietnam relationship uh, from both countries. And, um, and members of, of that team of the provocator for our relations are ambassadors of the U.S. to Vietnam, including uh, Ambassador Mark Napper. Um, uh, in the luncheon um, organized by our president uh, to President uh, Biden, uh, we met with um, Ambassador Mark Napper, with Dan Crittenbrink, and many other uh, Vietnamese ambassadors to the U.S. And they are all optimist, uh, very, very optimistic about our relations. And um, what I'm looking for is um, you sharing with the young generation of how miracle you have um, efforts you have uh, done in order to bring the two countries to where we are now. And, and um, with that, I would, I would like to end. Uh, my speech, and uh, that is one of the uh, other objectives for you uh, in the remaining time of your term. Thank you very much. Please join me in thanking our three distinguished speakers. Xin cảm ơn ba người trình bày của chúng ta và mỗi người đóng góp của của mọi người đóng góp của tất cả chúng có đóng góp với quan hệ của Hoa Kỳ và Việt Nam. Tôi xin mời ngài đại sứ Ambachikia, ngài là đại sứ và đại sứ của Campuchia, của và ngài báo pháo phó trợ lý ngoại trưởng ngoại giao về Brown về Đông Nam Á của Bộ Ngoại giao Hoa Kỳ. Bà là ông đại sứ Cây Âu Xin chào mừng ngài tới trở lại Viện Hòa Bình Hoa Kỳ Đây là nhiệm kỳ năm thứ hai của ngài tại Washington Trước đó thì là ngài là phó vụ trưởng vụ ở ASEAN Bà là tổng thư ký của chương trình về về châu Á và và ông đã ngài trở về Cam Campuchia là cố vấn của hiệu trưởng của trường ngoại giao và sau đó là thứ trưởng bộ ngoại giao cùng có bà Melissa Brown phó bộ phó trợ lý bộ trưởng phụ trách về Đông Nam Á của bộ ngoại giao và cái công việc về biển như là đất, đất liền bà đã phục làm việc tại Jakarta, Singapore và có trải nghiệm tại Việt Nam bà gần đây đã cùng với, với ngài Tổng thống và cả đội của chính phủ Hoa Kỳ đến Việt Nam 
mối quan hệ giữa Lào Việt Nam Campuchia và chúng tôi quan tâm làm sao có cái tiến trình mà chúng tôi thấy được cùng khu của khu vực đã đóng đã đóng góp vào mỗi nước và chúng tôi tiếp tục và mong đợi phát triển với quan hệ với các nước cảm ơn trước hết tôi xin cho phép tôi thể hiện cái sự cảm ơn viện hòa bình hoa kỳ đã mời tôi tham gia chương trình này đây là lần, lần thứ hai tôi ra chương trình này tôi rất hạnh là công chưa được tham gia vào chương trình về về uh, hậu quả của chiến tranh và những xây dựng hòa bình chúng tôi tiếp tục thì tôi xin chúc mừng uh, hoa kỳ và việt nam trong quan hệ mới the uh, partnership between the two uh, countries uh, well you see uh, in the us Uh, pe most people know as Vietnam War, but actually the war in that region is included in uh, the whole three countries as Indochina countries. Cambodia has been bombarded, uh, being bombarded uh, since as early as 1968. And that is one of the reasons why the politician in Cambodia got uh, differences and then led to the uh, breakup and civil war in 1970s. It is one of the reasons for the, uh, because Uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail, as uh, the world know, uh, come down and then run adjacent the uh, border of Cambodia. So the bombing, including the yellow agent, also uh, along the trail since 1968 or as early as late 1967, affected the whole uh, people of Cambodian life on uh, three or four provinces along this border as well. So that is how uh, uh, we very much appreciate the USIP for including Cambodia in this uh, war legacy program uh, and, and uh, war legacy and peace program. See, uh, for decades of war, uh, three decades of war almost, that, that, that we uh, enter into the war, uh, it left us with a lot of destruction, but also with Uh, the f psychological and uh, leftover of landmine and uh, uh, remnant of war such as the unexploded on and so on. So it leave trail of victims uh, even after the war completed until 1998 that uh, we implemented the win-win uh, policy that we uh, can abolish and we dismantle all the uh, uh, Khmer Rouge factions and then we can see the real peace. That is why uh, we, uh, through our experience, we believe that all war ended, not, uh, cannot end the war by, by war. It has to be ended by negotiation and, 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 and uh, reconciliations and so on. And that is how uh, uh, we uh, believe that the uh, program would help Cambodian as well. The general has talked about uh, recommendations about uh, uh, what we should do. Uh, our previous speaker also talking about this in Vietnam, but I would uh, like to request the U.S. to expand that program to all the three countries because we all received the same uh, 
uh, effect from the war, uh, which is known as Vietnam War as well. The, you see, after the war uh, uh, ended, uh, Cambodia has remained uh, uh, around 6 million mines in the uh, four to six million mines uh, in the uh, countries which we have to clear. Even till now, uh, we are still doing uh, our most things uh, to, to clear all the mines for our agricultural farmlands and so on. And from year to year, uh, thousands of people uh, uh, were victim to the, the landmine uh, and uh, left over by the uh, war. Uh, we uh, do believe that uh, landmine and cluster bomb should be considered as the band of weapons and as well as the chemical weapons as well. So this is how we, we uh, 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 propose uh, that, that, that it should be considered this way. Uh, because of experience in landmine, the Cambodian has done quite well. And that is how uh, we become uh, expert in the region in demining, and we have, from the time of the during the mid 90s that we received uh, assistance from the UN and from the world, including the US, to help us in demining uh, uh, in the area. We become an expert, and now we are participating in the UN peacekeeping elsewhere to demine uh, uh, the. Uh, the area of the uh, infested with uh, landmines and, and the remnants of war. Uh, we we sent our deminer to uh, nine countries uh, in Africa and in Middle East, and we even now uh, training the Ukrainian deminer in Cambodia to help them to demine the, uh, the uh, um, uh, mine in in war in Ukraine. We also have uh, cooperated uh, quite well with the U.S. in the field of MIA and POW. Uh, our uh, cooperation has uh, done well, and uh, it remains around 40 uh, remaining of the uh, MIA left uh, in inside Cambodia. It, uh, it remains because uh, the country was locked down because of the COVID. Uh, during the uh, 2021 and 22, and now we open up again, so we start the cooperation again. So uh, I am not uh, going to talk much on this, but uh, what my uh, I would like to put state a request uh, to the U.S. Uh, and to the publics that uh, the first is that uh, please consider expanding all the program to Cambodia, including education. Our young Cambodian is looking for uh, uh, always values high education from the U.S. We have a lot of students coming to, the, to study in the U.S. on their own their parental monies rather than the we do have uh, some Fulbright, but it's uh, just a few uh, students that have that uh, Fulbright, the rest of us, on their own because they value the uh, val uh, value of uh, education here. That's why they, they send their children here as well. So one of the program and also uh, the uh, rehabilitation program for the victims, especially uh, victims of the yellow uh, agents. 
which uh, affected the young uh, born baby as well along those four or five uh, provinces in the northeastern uh, province and, and eastern Mekong province. And also the last uh, of our uh, request is that uh, we have left with the death of war, which we consider as a death of war, and we would uh, appeal to the U.S. if it converted that uh, into uh, humanitarian assistance uh, on this program. It would be seen as uh, a rehabilitation and a reconciliation between victims and, 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 and the uh, U.S. Uh, I thank you. Thank you very much. Great. So I have the... I have the privilege of being your last speaker, so I, I better keep it interesting. Um, what, one thing I will say in, in my very long title, in, in reality, uh, where I really focus is, is across all of Southeast Asia. And often people ask me, why have I focused my whole career in Southeast Asia? And I'll tell you, it's exactly because of what we're discussing today. It's the idea that you can still be so uh, forward-leaning and look to the future while also paying great respect and learning from the lessons of the past. So when I think about Vietnam, of course, we're, we're still riding the, the high of, of the president's visit, and it truly was um, just such an honor to be part of it, um, and so much hard work to get there, but uh, really proud of what we accomplished. Then w when it comes to Laos, they're taking on the ASEAN chairmanship. This is, this is a really um, a big role for any ASEAN member state, but looking ahead um, when we have the continued uh, war in Ukraine, when we have the escalating crisis in, in Burma and how to deal with that, it's, it's, it's a really big responsibility. And then when it comes to Cambodia, we've got a new prime minister. We've got a lot of opportunity to, to do, um, do new things and, and continue to build on our success. I also have a soft spot for Cambodia because uh, Khmer was my first language I learned in the Foreign Service. And for those of you who speak Khmer, you know that that is not an easy feat, just like Vietnamese. It's a very difficult language. Um, so there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, to accomplish that. But so I, I thought I would focus, since we had so many other um, uh, esteemed colleagues on the panel focusing on Vietnam, talk a little bit more about Cambodia and uh, about Laos as well. I will note that throughout the whole planning for the upgrade to the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership for Vietnam, there was constant discussion about needing to honor the foundation that legacy issues uh, offered. It's the very reason we were able to upgrade, because we had d made so much progress and done so much together. Um, so one thing as as uh, high-level officials working on Vietnam, we often have to, to brief our principals to remind them that we haven't put everything behind us. Part of our future is acknowledging that our past still matters and that there's no need to um, forget the past. In fact, we need to make sure that we continue to acknowledge and, and recognize that. But turning, um, turning more across the, the region more, more broadly, we have spent the United States more than um, 665 million U.S. dollars across uh, the region since 1993 to focus on UXO. Uh, the goal there is, of course, to remove the dangerous items and then help those communities be able to heal and be able to grow. But, uh, of course, the reason that we're able to do so much is because the people of Cambodia, the people of Laos, and the people of Vietnam 
they're the ones who are doing this, this work day in, day out of finding and clearing those landmines in the UXO. I, I certainly can say that their dedication is truly inspiring. The continued partnership that we have with Cambodia, with Laos, with Vietnam is the reason that the United States has been able to provide uh, such, such substantial levels of funding to our UXO programs across the region. Just last year, we provided more than $80 million to address UXO uh, issues in these three countries. Um, and of course, funding matters, but it's not the only way that we can have an impact I think um, the, it's always important to step back and think that our goal is for people to live safely and let, let them live in, in peace. Let's talk about Cambodia first a little bit more in detail. We have been working since 1993 on both UXO and land mine contamination issues. Uh, over the past 30 years, we've invested $190 million to conduct surveys, to clear mines and UXO, and also to build national capacity. Um, my understanding is Cambodia is aiming to be mine-free by 2025, yes. um, which we know is right around the corner. And so the, the goal is for us to partner together to continue to address war legacy issues, including the reduction of UXO contamination, but also, um, as the ambassador noted, accounting for missing U.S. service members. Um, we fund a number of implementing partners. We've got friends at the Mines Advisory Group, at HALO, H-A-L-O. I know you're out there. I'm blinded by the light, but you're, you're in the crowd or on, on screen. Um, Cambodia has also s uh, quite a, a significant internationally recognized capacity in the Cambodia Mine Action and, and Victims Assistance Authority, and then also the Cambodia Mine Action Center. I, I think, um, We've seen really significant progress for survey and clearance objectives in Cambodia. I, I think the, the really close cooperation that our two countries have had, had have um, really enabled us to make a ton of progress over recent years. When it comes to POW and MIA accounting in Cambodia, um, we have 42 of 90 Americans that now have been repatriated and identified. Uh, the work of our defense POW MIA accounting agency enables us to continue to pursue these leads that are associated with the remaining 48 individuals unaccounted for. And a big thank you to the Cambodian government for your partnership there. Um, with Laos, uh, since, since I'm sharing personal anecdotes, I, I was, I guess, one of the, the longest visitors our embassy had had in Laos, um, and I managed to go to four provinces over, over four days. But it was, a, uh, in particular, was a remarkable time to visit to, um, to Xinquang province in Laos, which is, many of you know, the most um, heavily, uh, I guess, they, they face the greatest number of unexploded ordinances across all three countries. And it's, it's really an uh, underdeveloped province, but really remarkable to see the partnership there. Um, just a true example of reconciliation in, in action. Um, one of the most interesting parts that I've, I found was the, the orga implementing organization who was doing the, the demining. Most of uh, their crew to the site, we, we drove about two hours outside of the provincial capital, and they were showing us the work they were doing on a cattle, cattle farm. 
and it was nearly all women. But adding to that, nearly all of the women had worked in the kitchen um, and eventually worked their way up through the organization to continue to be elevated to positions of more and more authority. They ran a very tight ship. They ordered me around. I followed all the instructions to, to stay safe, but it was, it was really inspiring. And then later that afternoon, I also got to see a session where they would bring, bring villagers to the school, and it was interesting to see the young people teaching the older people about what to do if they were to come across um, something that looked suspicious. But Laos, Laos more broadly, um, we've spent $355 million to clear and dispose of UXO since we started there back in 1995. Uh, we've really tried to increase our funding over the last five years. Um, I was really privileged to join our then Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, for her trip to Laos, separate trip. Uh, where we were able to launch another $45 million to the UXO efforts. And so that has enabled us to work in five of six provinces where uh, UXO remained to be such an issue. It, we're hoping that uh, we will transition from a mix of survey and clearance to full clearance by the end of 2023 in all five of these provinces. And then we expect to more than double the US funded clearance capacity by the end of the year to just over 200 clearance teams in those five provinces. I'll say um, for, for those of you who've worked in, in, in Laos, it's also really amazing to see uh, in these small communities the, the impact of this type of work. But um, to wrap it up in conclusion, I think um, again, uh, what's so exciting about working on these three countries is is the ability to measure your progress and to see things change before your very eyes. Um, uh, Ambassador Knappers heard me share before that I was, I was on the Vietnam desk, um, I, I guess more than 15 years ago. And what's most remarkable is um, I was part of the, the effort to shift US policy on Agent Orange where before we weren't uh, undertaking dioxin remediation and, and now look at where we've come where we're um, working hand in hand and jointly um, cleaning, up, uh, cleaning up the dioxin and, and continuing to contribute more money. So again, I hope, I hope you all, um, I recognize all the great work, all the great conversations over the past two days. It's just, um, I hope you share the same enthusiasm. It's pretty amazing to be able to look forward and back at the same time and feel optimistic, see what else we can, we can achieve by continuing to work closely together. I can say that the United States has their eye very focused on Vietnam, on Cambodia, on Laos, and war legacy will continue to be um, uh, an, an issue that we will never fully put behind us. It will only make our partnership stronger. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Your Excellency. So we actually have an encore. Um, and uh, for those of you who were with us this morning in the session on the U.S. Vietnam Youth Leadership Cohort. Uh, USIP has been cooperating with Fulbright University Vietnam uh, for the last uh, year on a online uh, 
youth dialogue project between American and Vietnamese young people. Uh, and uh, we've invited two of the participants um, in that youth leadership cohort to join us today and share about their experiences. Uh, so uh, Tommy Nguyen comes from California. Andy Tomusiak is a student here in, in DC. Um, so for the last few minutes we have in our dialogue, uh, uh, please listen to their experiences and uh, how does this uh, contribute to the future of our relationship that we've just heard the ambassadors and uh, distinguished speakers describe. I'll start first. Well, hello beautiful people. Xin chào mọi người there. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to all the past amazing speakers, from ambassadors, the diplomats, the people doing the hard work. And USIP decided to put the two most inexperienced people at the very end to close off. So <laughs> very, very excited to do that. Uh, once again, my name is Tommy Nguyen. I was born in Vietnam, but I was made in America. My family fled to the United States uh, in the 1990s under the HO program which was a program that allowed you know, South Vietnamese veterans who were re-educated for more than three months refugee status to the United States. As a result of that, Vietnam became not a place where I grew up and where I formed my identity, rather a place of stories. Uh, stories from my family, stories from American media, a little bit from the American education system. It was a country that I knew so little about, yet felt so connected to. Uh, all my life, my family told me stories to remember, to never forget about the atrocities and trauma that they faced. And I thought remembering was a very straightforward action. There's a quote from a professor from USC who was my mentor, Viet Thanh Nguyen, that there are two battles in war, one in the battleground and one in the memories. And the war may be long gone, way before I was born, but the battle still remains in our memory, in our souls and spirits. And I'm in no position to judge people on how to remember or the history. But I feel like I can decide how to remember. And for me, personally, I chose love. Love for my country, for Vietnam and the United States. Love for people, love for trying to remember and understand. And that was the reason why I decided to partake in both the youth cohort program for the USIP and also the Fulbright Vietnam program last year as an English teaching assistant and a cultural ambassador. All I ever wanted was to see Vietnam through my own eyes. Not from my parents, not from the lens of war and trauma, but through my own experiences, mistakes, and challenges. And that's exactly what happened. The interesting part, though, was, you know, when I got in, I requested to be down south to get to know South Vietnam. And for better or worse, I got placed in Langsung, Vietnam, which is 10 kilometers from the border of China in a very northern region in Vietnam. Uh, and I was scared because no one in my family had ever gone to the north. Obviously my family history puts me in a very vulnerable position and I come from a family that, you know, grew, that, was, you know, that grew up in Orange County, a little Saigon, that had very strong conceptions about the north. But here I am, you know, in a rental car on my way to Gifted High School, True Man Ann and Langsung. It ended up being the most amazing experience of my life. I met people who were so loving, so hospitable, uh, who showed me a Vietnam that was so different than the, from the movies and the oral histories that I learned about. 
uh, my students were my greatest joy. I was one of the first foreigners, Ameri Americans, native English speakers that they met, and they saw me as a science experiment, as if an alien abducted one of their friends, took them to another world, and brought them back. That's how different I was to them. But they were so, so amazing, so smart. And for me, makes me so hopeful for what Vietnam will be. And I wasn't the only one in this program who was Vietnamese-American searching these questions. The majority of Fulbrighters were Vietnamese-Americans, categorized as heritage-seeking applicants. That wasn't the case 20, 25 years ago. And that's something that should be celebrated. My job was about you know, cultural exchange and education, talking about America through my eyes. But for that to happen, I had to have the hard conversation what that meant to be Vietnamese-American. It was so interesting because I thought I would have to find a way to be, you know, navigating kind of the rules in Vietnam and trying to figure out a way to discuss that. But my first day in class, one of my students said, teacher, teacher, tell me all about the Vietnam War. Are you an anti-communist? And I was like, man, you're really putting me in a really tough position right now. But it's important, those hard conversations, because that's what we're leading to, to peace. That's true peace, having these tough conversations that are necessary, this open dialogue. And for me, that's the most important part in terms of next steps, when we talk about a reconciliation framework of having an open space and dialogue to include South Vietnamese narratives. Because South Vietnamese culture is Vietnamese culture, from Paris by night to the remittances and support from the diasporic Vietnamese community, it's already a part of Vietnam. Just not yet in our educational systems. I feel like a lot of the conflicts that occur between the diasporic community and Vietnam comes from a lack of understanding. So we need open spaces where we can talk and carry about our experiences. In terms of specifics, following models like Fulbright University, for example, that encourages an open dialogue to talk about the Vietnamese American, refu the Vietnamese -American refugee experience, about both people, about the war, in a way where we can feel safe and add to the diversity to Vietnam. And the United States also has a lot of work to do on their end as well, in terms of decentralizing the American experience and advocating for different voices from not only Vietnamese Americans, but the Hmong people and the ethnic minorities that serve the United States just as patriotically. And also investment into you know, Vietnamese Americans like myself. The Fulbright experience changed my life. It, whenever I think of Vietnam, I don't think about the war or the trauma. I think about my students. I think about the karaoke nights when we ate, you know, ban mi nung or ban chang or bit kwai, which is like the specialty in Lang Sang. I think about all those memories. But it shouldn't, has, it shouldn't be as exclusive as the Fulbright program or you know, these academic conferences. It should be something that requires investment from both the United States and Vietnam to promote you know, Vietnamese language classes for the diaspora community that still struggle with their Vietnamese, including myself, because I still sound like a baby in Vietnamese, to opening up Vietnamese American education centers in Vietnam that incorporate the Vietnamese American history into Vietnam. It's, it's a tough battle. It's a hard conversation to have. For me, it's also very fun. You know, my whole time in Vietnam talking about these issues, every time I had these intense debates with my students, it was always from a place of love and understanding. And I hope I can continue to do that through the youth cohort program, and I have been through USIP. I'm just so excited for what's next. Thanks a lot, Patty. Andy? Thank you. That was wonderful to hear from you, Tommy. I really enjoyed that. 
Uh, and if I could just first say, uh, I was here in May for, for PeaceCon at USIP, and I never imagined that in my career I would get a chance to sit on this stage, let alone later the same year. So I'm, I'm incredibly honored to be here among such a, an, a distinguished panel of speakers who've dedicated so much um, to the, the US-Vietnam relationship. My story is very different from Tommy's. Uh, I was born in 2001. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, my mother is uh, American of Italian descent. My father's Canadian of, of Polish-Ukrainian uh, descent. My mom grew up in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and had two half-brothers that uh, enlisted in the Navy during the Vietnam War. Uh, neither served on the ground uh, and, and thankfully returned from the war uh, uninjured. So in my, my childhood, discussions about the war didn't figure very prominently whatsoever. I, I learned about the war in, in bits and, and pieces, and, and I think in this way our, our experiences overlap somewhat. Um, our knowledge of the, the Vietnam War is made up of a piecemeal collage of, of stories, uh, media, films, music, uh, textbooks, uh, and I think this is, this is common among many young people born after reconciliation began with, without direct experience with, with the war. But despite this detached experience of many young people, uh, young people have an outsized impact on the outcome of reconciliation. Uh, to jump back to the, the quote Tommy mentioned uh, from Viet Tan Nguyen, which I, I find very influential as well, um, it's, it's true that wars are fought once on the battlefield and again in, in memory, but uh, I think that the population that, that participates in the war in memory uh, tends to be much larger than that group that ever participated uh, personally. So to continue promoting peace uh, in the long term, I, be I believe it's essential that we invite uh, and encourage participation in peace building from a generation that, that doesn't know the war in the way that those who began the reconciliation process do. Uh, and that's what inspired me to join this cohort. Youth involvement in reconciliation, I believe, is especially important now because of the timing. As, as we approach 50 years since the end of the war, um, efforts are ongoing, um, as, as others have mentioned, to redress the harm done by Agent Orange, remove UXO, uh, and return remains of those missing in action. But the numbers of people with direct experience of, uh, with the war are diminishing. I had the chance to go this spring uh, to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial here down on the National Mall for Memorial Day. Uh, it was my first experience uh, doing that and to see um, the commemoration process. Uh, what I found was a very dedicated group of, of veterans and their families who come on an annual basis to, to pay tribute. I also, noticed, I also noticed a lot of empty seats and few young faces uh, amidst the crowd. So this creates a difficult question for those hoping to involve young people in this reconcilia reconciliation process, which is how do you encourage uh, participation um, and, and care in, about an issue which many young people don't have direct experience with? And this, this kind of set the context for uh, my group's project um, within the cohort. I, I'm in the memorialization group. So when we were initially brainstorming about how to approach this, uh, the first thing we asked ourselves is, 
what is the first thing students think about when they're asked what they know about the other country? And between the Vietnamese and American participants in, in our group, the, the thing we agreed on was that war and, and its brutality is, is the first thing that comes to mind for, for many students who may not uh, have much experience outside the classroom. Uh, this inspired us to investigate more about how the war has been memorialized. And the, the National Monument Audit, uh, uh, which records over 2,200 different memorials uh, to the Vietnam War here in the US, uh, of those, only about 189 um, mention the word peace and, and none mention reconciliation. This conflict, because of the length and, and, and trauma that it's imposed, as well as the extent and quality of the reconciliation, the process that followed, uh, makes us a unique opportunity, I think, to explore the possibility of, of, of shifting our focus and, and memorializing peace uh, on a large scale. As memorials have tremendous power to influence emotions, uh, using memorialization to emphasize the remarkable and hard-fought gains, um, a hard-fought nature of the reconciliation process, I believe can help strengthen people's commitment to learning more about each other and, and building meaningful relationships. I think it's important to note, though, that, that such an approach wouldn't seek to downplay the significance of the war, um, but rather contextualize it with the remarkable reconciliation process that's followed. Uh, this process should not diminish at all the trauma or harm suffered by victims of the war, but rather seek to honor them by opening a door to a future of peace and enduring relationships where never again isn't just a saying but a reality. Of course, not all young people will become experts on, on, US Viet, uh, on the history of U.S.-Vietnam relations. I'm, I'm the furthest thing from that. Uh, but I believe that increased knowledge about the reconciliation process uh, through physical memorials to peace, uh, through educational curriculum, art, film, and other uh, creative approaches uh, will invite future generations to participate in writing a new chapter in, in the U.S.-Vietnam relationship. Uh, whether it means involvement at the community level, uh, in travel, business, educational exchange, like Fulbright. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly honored to, to be a part of this cohort. Uh, I've learned so much from the experience and uh, I'm grateful to, uh, to learn about this process. Thank you. Okay. Thank you both for being here. It's uh, amazing. Thanks to Tommy and Andy and all of our speakers, as well as moderators throughout the last day and a half. I think you all have put it more eloquently than I can about the meaning of reconciliation, the process that we're going through, the need to build relationships among people and have a vision of the future. Uh, and that's what we were aiming to do here at USIP, is to bring together diplomats, military veterans, young people, uh, Vietnamese and Southeast Asian Americans, to share our own ideas and visions of how we can contribute to building partnerships and peace uh, among our countries. So again, thanks everyone for being here, uh, and we'll see you again next year. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts.